You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors. I'm Corey Janoff, joined as always by Rochelle Vanderzanden. Hey, everybody. And today, we want to talk about teaching kids about money. So we most of our, our topics revolve around adult-related money concepts, but it's never too early to get your children started. So we're going to talk about a few examples and, and some ideas here today. But first, Rochelle, I've got some exciting news. So Camden, my oldest son, for those of you who don't know, lost his first two teeth in the past week. Oh my goodness. Yeah, big, big... Uh, big big week in the uh, in the Janoff household um and it, it's funny cuz you know when he goes to bed uh you know we had a, a tooth fairy committee meeting and the associate tooth fairy suggested a $2 reward the uh the senior executive tooth fairy wanted to do $5 so we compromised and went with $5 and um so now he's got 10 bucks to his name and he, he asked me like just out of the blue, he's like, "Hey, Dad, if I spend my money that the tooth fairy gave me, will I still have any money?" And I'm like, "Well, no, you'll have whatever you buy with with the money." He's like, "Oh, well, I want to keep the money. I don't want to spend it." And I wish I had this recorded. This like made my heart sing. Proud dad moment. <laughs> yeah, like you have your father's genes. Save your money. Um, so yeah, we. Uh, now we just probably need to open a bank account or something or get him a wallet so it's not just sitting in his sock drawer. But um, Getting lost, probably. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's kind of got me thinking, hey, we need to start applying some of these concepts in our household now that, yep. that we're going to talk about here today. Yeah. When Colette started losing teeth, I had to do a, a neighborhood survey of what the tooth fairy was bringing to the neighborhood kids because... <laughs> Because I didn't want it to be like, well, this kid got $4 and I only got 2 <laughs> I just wanted it to be fair. I got a dollar as a kid. I'm like, all right, that was like 30 years ago. So with inflation, mm-hmm. it's about $2. So, I mean, and honestly, sometimes kids that little, it's like if you give them four quarters, they think it's more than $2. You know, like they don't understand the denominations very well. So you could... You can pull one over on them, but that's not the point here. The point is to actually teach them about money. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They, like shortly after that, I saw I, I saw our phones. They know everything about us because I saw a tweet like a couple days later. Um, some mom <laughs> said that her son brought his friend's tooth home to stick under his pillow because they learned that his tooth fairy gives more money than his friend's tooth fairy. <laughs> so... Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're smart to pull the neighborhood uh, and see what the consensus is so there's some consistency. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. 
I'm, there's yeah there's always going to be some variation but this you know this actually <laughs> I think the next point that we're going to talk about is like talking about money regularly and I think that's something that adults don't even do a lot of the time and sometimes you get underpaid because you and your coworkers are not discussing how much you make if you did it would probably be much more fair and much more equitable so you know the kids are doing this exact thing with the tooth fairy like figuring out who's getting paid paid what by the tooth fairy because they are talking about it which I think is a good thing <laughs> they're trying to game the system a little bit which is pretty funny yeah absolutely that's probably where we want to start is just talking about money more regularly you know make it normal I think part of the issue in just our society as a whole is money is considered a, a taboo topic um, that you know kind of along the lines of sex, politics, and religion that you just don't discuss with people outside your like immediate circle. And even in your immediate circle, it's, you know, maybe you're, you talk with your spouse about money, but you don't really, and maybe your best friends if you're on those terms, but you definitely don't bring it up at work. You definitely don't bring it up, you know, with just acquaintances, um, unless you're Rochelle and I, and then it's just, we're numb to it because we talk about it daily. So we're talking we're about awkward. money all the time with anyone. Um but yeah, make it a normal topic. Make it comfortable. Uh, talk with your kids about money. Point out the cost of things. When you go grocery shopping, like, ooh, this item's on sale. You know, you like your Cheerios. Well, it's half, buy, buy one, get one free. So let's let's get two boxes of Cheerios this week at the grocery store because they're on sale. Um, you know, and you got to make it age appropriate. You know, like you can explain to kids that you're not going to go to Hawaii for spring break like their friends are, are doing because you want to save more money for retirement so you can stop working one day or, or you're adding money to their college account so they can go to college in the future. You, know, you got to make sacrifices. There's opportunity costs for everything. Money you spend on one thing is money that you can't spend on another thing. So we have limited resources. No matter who you are, like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, there's a finite amount of money that, that people can, can spend and do things with, and uh, we have to make priorities, and and, um, and having those discussions with your children can start to instill that, um, you know, that understanding, you know, sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. I think I spend a lot of time talking with our little one, she's six and a half, about wants versus needs, like, because I think a lot of times kids have a very hard time separating that. You know, they feel like the thing that they want is something that they really need, like because they want it badly enough that it definitely feels like a need. So we, we spend a lot of time talking about that. You know, we need food, we need clothes, we need, you know, a house over our heads and all of that kind of stuff. But the rest is extra. Like you don't need another toy in your room that eventually is going to get in the trash and that you also have to clean up and you have a hard enough you know, you have a hard enough time cleaning up your room the way that it is. We had, we had more stuff to the pile of stuff. It's going to get even harder. And there's a lot of conversations that we have about that kind of stuff because and, – and you can bring that back to money too. It's like if we're spending money on these things that we don't really need – then that means mommy and daddy maybe need to work a little bit more to earn a little bit more money to buy the stuff that we didn't need in the first place, which is really maybe a trade-off that your kids don't even want to make. Maybe your kids don't want you to work more in order to give them more stuff that they don't need. And, and I think that can be a very valuable conversation to have because they should value their time too, just like you should value your time. 
And that is a big trade-off is time and money. Yeah, I mean, that's something for a lot of you physicians that you could point out, like a kid wants a new bike or something and, you know, say, hey, we could get you a new bike. It's going to mean I have to work an extra shift on a Saturday. So do you want me to play catch with you on Saturday or, or do you want me to go work so I can afford to buy you a new bike? You know, what's now, depending on the kid, they might say, they yeah, might say you want a bike. new bike. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you can kind of, you know, explain that it just, you can't just pull money out of thin air. Like you gotta, you gotta earn it or, or you can get them to earn it, you know, and this, and, and again, age appropriate, you know, I think for younger kids an allowance probably doesn't make sense. They're just going to tear up their paper bills or lose their coins or whatever. So, you know, I've found that a token system or a sticker chart can work well. You know, kids like to see shiny, you know, pretty stickers or the tokens kind of instead of, instead of actual money and, you know, use it however you see fit. Like you could, you know, give them tokens or stickers if they clean their room or, or we tried it because our kids are having a tough time actually staying in their rooms all night. So if they stayed in their rooms all night, they got stickers. And once they got a certain amount of stickers, they could exchange it for a toy um, or something fun. And, uh, you, know, you, you know, you could offer it for doing chores or, and I know there's plenty of debate on the interwebs about, oh, should you pay your kids to do chores or just teach them that they need to do it to, you know, be part of this household because that's just part of living as you're doing chores. So either one, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have a preference one way or the other, whatever, however you want to run your house, run it that way. But, you know, finding ways to, I don't know if bribe is the right, right word, but kind of incentivize them. Hey, you know, do task, get reward. Um, and those stickers or tokens, uh, can come in handy and kind of teach the concept of, of money to young children, like, all right, I have to earn these things and I can exchange these things for something that I want, like a toy or a game or ice cream or, or whatever. So mm -hmm. what are your thoughts there, Rochelle? And if you don't like framing it that way, I think sometimes we sometimes frame it as like expectations and privileges. You know, so if you do these things that you are expected to do, then we can record that in some way. Like we had a, a little kind of token system too, where it's like if you do the things that you are expected to do, then there are privileges that come with that. You know, like there are some things that are that are privileges that you just don't get to do just because. Like, you know, we're not necessarily going to have a movie night just because, you know, like let, let's have <laughs> let's some level of expectation in order for you to be able to do those things so yeah and we would list like a like have a short list of things that she could pick from when she did a good job with that so it was like you know we have a movie night where you get to pick the movie and we have a special snack at the same time or you know we get to do an activity like and sometimes it's a it's a good idea just to be thinking about like other things outside of like belongings that you also don't want to clean up in your house <laughs> but you know like taking them bowling or taking them to do laser tag or anything like that those I don't know kids love that stuff too for sure and then as your kids get a little bit older you know maybe kindergarten first grade could be a good good time to introduce uh, an allowance with actual money um and you can start teaching them about saving versus spending. You know, hey, you got your weekly or monthly, however you want to do it, allowance. You could either spend it all now on something that you want immediately or save up for something bigger down the road 
that you want to get. And it's that, you know, the concept of delayed gratification and patience. Um, you know, I think, again, age appropriate, as the kids get older, you could apply different uh, ideas and strategies. Like Rochelle, I think you have a, an example of a friend who, who has a, a debit card for their kid. And, 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 you know, why don't you explain it? Yeah, so I, I have a, a neighbor actually that has a, a fairly young child and she's not young, young, but like 12. And she's given her an allowance, but a very like a significant allowance of like $500 a month and she has a debit card. But she is responsible for everything. Like, so this mother will provide like vegetarian organic meals. They're vegetarian, so that's what she's doing. And so anything like clothing, activity fees, like she needs a new bike, um, any other food that she might want, any other activities that she might want to do, all of that comes out of her monthly spending allowance. And, you know, $500 is a pretty significant amount of money, but it's not unlimited. You know, if if she wants to do something big, she's going to have to save up for it. And it's not like you know, mom and dad aren't just going to do that for you. It, this is what it is. And and she also has expectations, for, you know, in order to, to be able to have that allowance. Um, but that's a – I mean, she is going to know so much about money, like so much because especially when you start layering in like buying your own clothing and things like that, like she will know very much about how things cost and how expensive just living can be potentially. And I think that's really good because, you know, I have other friends with college-age kids who graduate from college and, you know, like they didn't necessarily <laughs> pick that job that was going to make them the income that they needed to survive. And now they're doing jobs that they don't really want to do and not making that much money and just having a hard time making ends meet at like 21, 22, which, you know, you don't have it all figured out at that age anyway. But that's that's not good, you know, when you're at that point and you, you know, you're hoping to be more independent, but you're still kind of relying on mom and dad because you don't have a good sense of what money looks like. No, I think that's brilliant. Like, you know, hey, here's 500 bucks, which sounds like a lot for a 12-year-old, but if they have to buy all their clothes, like, hey, you're, you got to pay for your soccer registration and then go, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, like the couple hundred dollars for whatever the sign-up fee is to play for that season. Then you got to go buy your cleats and your shin guards and your mm -hmm. socks and then a water bottle yep. and the bag that you want to take and oh you want to go to the movies with your friends and go get cheeseburgers afterwards because we don't eat cheeseburgers in our vegan household um <laughs> <laughs> you know like it 500 goes pretty quickly when you're when you're adding all that stuff up um absolutely and, and then you know it teaches her to prioritize all right do i want to get the nicer soccer cleats or the more basic one do i want to save up not go to the movies and save up for something else you know it kind of the the prioritization that we've talked about, um, you know, we got limited resources. How do we want to allocate it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are lots of other ways that you can teach kids about money, just activities and things like that. Like if you do set up a bank account for them, you can teach them about savings and compound interest just by giving them like a little interest credit or even just, you know, setting up a savings account for them that actually earns interest. Like there's lots of savings accounts out there that do that and just showing them every month when you log in, like, hey, look, you got this little bit of interest because you were saving. And so your money actually grew a tiny bit while it was sitting there. Like, isn't that cool? Like there are other ways that you can do this too. Um, and 
I mean, then you can get into more complicated topics like inflation, like hey, that $10 Lego set that you wanted to buy now costs $12. So maybe you should have just bought it when it was $10. But, you know, it's, it's all age appropriateness too. Like, you know where your kids are at in terms of, you know, what they can absorb. And starting with very, very simple topics first is going to be best. And then building on that as they get a little bit older. One idea I really like, um, you know, and again, with all this stuff that we're talking about, take it or leave it, whatever you, you know, cherry pick the stuff that you think would be good to implement. But I think for kids that are, I mean, I guess really any age, once you start introducing the concept of money, um, open that savings account, encourage them to save their birthday money, their holiday money, allowance, whatever. Um, and rather than, you know, just putting the, you know, tens of dollars or hundreds of dollars, a, a small balance into a high interest savings account that's getting them, you know, what, one to 2% at, at current rates. They're not going to get very excited about the the pennies that accrue on a monthly basis in interest. But one thing that I've heard uh, of some people doing, um, which I really like, is you open a bank account for them, link it to your primary checking account, and then every single month, you credit them 1% interest on their balance. So they get 1% monthly compound interest, which equates to more than a 12% annualized rate. So you're kind of simulating that real world compound interest that's honestly even a little bit better than what you'd probably get long term in the stock market. But it'll get them a little bit more excited, like, hey, my $100 is now $101 this month, and it's $102 next month. Ooh, I had a birthday. Let's add another 100 Now that $202 turns into $204 the next month. And you, they can actually see that and check it with them every single month. Log in together, look at it, like, hey, here's your credit for interest. And you know, just seeing that money start to compound and accrue, and you could track it in an Excel spreadsheet if that's easier, whatever way to visualize it because when you're teaching these concepts to young kids the visual piece that's why I think the token and the stickers for the really young kids works well but but being able to see it in action I think is important Um, and I think that'll really show them like hey the more you save the more compounding your your money can do for you and ultimately the more it can grow to and if you're tracking it in a spreadsheet, you can kind of see the growth over time, looking back historically. Um, you know, and then you, you kind of, it's the save versus spend ideology there. Obviously, you know, you don't want them to just spend or save every single penny and never spend anything on themselves. So, you know, have, have a little fun every once in a while. But, um, but yeah, I think really teaching that idea of saving early on, establish that habit, because that'll really set them up for the the solid fundamentals later in life when they need to make sure they're saving a portion of every paycheck so they can ultimately reach their long-term financial objectives. Definitely. And there are lots of games that, you know, teach money. (laughs) I know we have Monopoly Junior at home and, and you can incorporate even more fun into those games. And we have the one where it's literally just everything like there's only $1 bills. You don't have to worry about denominations. Just one. So you start simple. And, you know, maybe buying the property costs three Monopoly bucks. And then the rent is also three Monopoly bucks, which doesn't make sense at all. But we don't have. 
But, you know, it's like you land at the pet store and it's like, oh, what are we buying today? <laughs> you know, and like sometimes my daughter will pretend to be the clerk and will help me pick out my animal and then I will give her my $3. And so there's lots of fun things that you can do to learn about money and not make it overly stressful too, you know, like just get some real world world simulations going on I know there's lots of like video games and things like that where you can kind of earn credits or earn money and buy things and stuff like that I don't do a lot of video games I know there's there's also like arcade games you know if you go to the arcade and you win tokens and you get to use your tokens or your tickets to go like buy things at at the like little arcade shop like that's another way to learn about you know how you're spending your money. Although I usually lie to my daughter about how many tokens she has and just let her pick one small thing. But <laughs> maybe that's not the best teaching opportunity. Um, yeah, there's also lots of cute books that you can look at. I think, Corey, have you read some of those with your kids? Um, we have one. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, I'm just quickly Googling to see if I can find one. There, there. It's like a series with, I want to say, a rabbit or something. I'll have to go find it. But I mean, just Google, you, you know, you can find, I'm sure there's more than one um, about about money and, and spending money and saving money and, and whatever. There's actually a really good one my brother got me. He's in the sales industry on the tech side that it's called, I want to be in sales when I grow up. And it's like, it's a story about this little girl who has to do a, a, a like a career project for school and the one that she drew out of a hat was sales and like they do they bake cookies and go sell them to neighbors and she learns all about like selling something and and what that's like and um so uh, yeah there's plenty of stuff out there uh, to make it fun for kids enjoyable whatever your kids into if you like books find books if they like playing games obviously monopoly is a classic one of my favorites there's plenty of others like the game of life is one uh, but i'm sure there's more out there that i haven't thought of since you know it's been a while since I've played board games but I'm sure it'll become more of a regular thing now that my kids are getting to that age we have Monopoly Junior as well that's a good one because it's a smaller board you know the denominations like you said and one dollar so you can like get through a whole game pretty quickly because you know their attention spans are short um the video games um and and it doesn't have to be like your typical video games you can you can uh, do the bait and switch on your kids and, and get them educational video games like i remember as a kid most like when we first got a computer um my parents got games for us and then in hindsight we realized this but in the time it was just a fun game but all of them were basically educational games like math blasters where you're basically doing all these little math equations to solve the puzzles and there was one called the the logical journey of Zumbini Island or something where you gotta like to solve these logic puzzles and it's a lot of fun. Um, but you know, there's one that does uh, for younger kids. Like, do you have do you have any of those Leapfrog devices, um, Rochelle for Colette? They make different ones for different ages, but it's like a little you know Game Boy basically with a bunch of preloaded games on it and. Um, so you don't have to buy all those cartridges like we used to have to do. but And all of them are like education, math, logic, problem-solving games, but it's fun for the kids because it's a game. So they can have fun while learning stuff. Um, 
So I think that's that's a, a good thing to do. You can compromise. Your kid wants to play video games. All right, they can play video games, but you're going to pick the games and make them educational games. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of value in delayed gratification for kids too. Like instead of being like, I'm going to do this right now, or I have this $10 in my pocket, let's go to Target like this afternoon. We're going to pick something out and I'm not going to have $10 anymore. It's like, let's take our time a little bit. Let's give it a few days, see if that thing is something you really do want. And a lot of times the desire passes. That's true for adults. It's definitely true for kids. I can tell you half the time my child forgets that she even wanted anything in the first place and forgets that she had money. And then, you know, then you have the problem of tracking it down a little bit. But <laughs> if they really, really do want something, I love the idea of, you know, giving them a visual representation of it, you know, like having a picture of it taped to their bedroom door. Maybe they have one of those little, like, like you know, the little charts where you can fill in, like, up to where you get to the to your goal number so that you're, you're saving money over time and, like, the little thermometer thing. Um, those can be really cool. I know that around Christmas time we get the catalogs, which are terrible. <laughs> We're like Amazon or Target or whatever it is. And then Lakeshore she learning. will – Yeah, yeah. She'll go through – she'll like mark every single thing. And that's harder because then like the whole Santa thing comes into it. Like money is not even a question. It's like, well, Santa has to give presents to all the kids. And Santa can't like use all of his resources just to give you presents, right? Santa has limited time and resources too. The elves can only build so many toys, which is kind of the same. <laughs> but yeah, there's lots of different things. There, like there's so many examples of times when you can tell them that like, you know, things are not unlimited. And that is especially true with money. For sure. Yeah, I think delaying purchases, just like you said, for all of us is smart, you know, with the kids don't amazon prime now stuff like oh you got a birthday coming up let's put it on the birthday list you know or mm -hmm. um same with with adults we can avoid amazon prime it's dangerous but um another one for for kids that are working you know you get a high schoolers or maybe middle schoolers or heck maybe you've got a, a child model or something but uh if they're earning money in any way shape or form um open a roth ira for them and start that retirement savings early. Now, you have to have earned income to put money into a Roth IRA, so they'd have to actually like file a tax return to claim income. Now, if they're only making like a few thousand bucks a year, they're not going to really owe any taxes. Um, but you can put up to 100% of your earnings in a Roth IRA. And I think a good strategy for those of you that, that want to do this, you know, because kids aren't going to want to save 100% of their money. They're going to want to spend some of it and buy stuff that they want. But do a matching program, like make them or I guess strongly encourage them would be the better word to put at least half of their paycheck into their Roth IRA and then you match it. So if they make $3,000 working over a summer, you know, they put 1500 into the Roth IRA, you put 1500 of your own money into the Roth IRA. So they get 1500 of spending money, 3000 still goes into the Roth IRA, and they're saving uh, for retirement. Um, you know, the goal would be to get an amount equal to 100% of their paycheck up to the annual limit that the IRS sets every year. Uh, currently, it's $6,000. Wouldn't be surprised if it goes up to 6500 or 7000 within the next 
year or so. Um, and just get that retirement saving started early. The sooner the better, more time for it to grow and compound. Like, can you imagine if you're 15 year old throws money into a, a Roth IRA, uh, by the time they're in their sixties, like that could be huge. Um, you know, just a thousand dollars going in there could turn into like four, five, six, seven thousand dollars by the time they're in their sixties. So, or even more than that. So, like, if you've got, if you're 15 yeah. years, say it doubles like every decade 25, 35, 45, 55, so five doublings. So, $1,000, 2000 4000 8000 16000 32000 So, literally, the $1,000 they put in as a 15-year-old could grow to over $30,000 potentially by the time they're in their 60s. And you, or you more, know, yeah. Yeah do that over four years working in high school, like you could have a, a healthy six figure retirement balance. Um, you know, maybe even seven figures by the time they're in their sixties, just from putting some high school money, working part time into a, a Roth IRA. Saving a little bit of money, even very early on can be incredibly helpful long-term. So, you know, if there's any way that you can encourage and or help your kids do that, I think that's a that's a great idea. Yeah. And you can also, you know, when they open that Roth IRA, you can teach them a little bit about investing too. You know, help them look at their portfolio, help them see what's in there, talk about like long-term time horizons. And sure, like sometimes the money, like the value of that money is probably going to go down if it's invested aggressively, but that's okay. Like over a long period of time, we're hoping to see growth. And and I think that that is a very powerful teaching tool. When they're a little bit younger, if they don't have earned income or something like that, you can also enter stock market simulations, you know, with and you can do contests with kids. And you can teach them a little bit about investing. You can teach them about stocks and mutual funds and ETFs, like all of that kind of stuff. Um, and that can help them develop an interest in investing. I think this can be especially powerful for women and girls too because, you know, there's a lot of research out there that says that women are just less comfortable investing and are more likely to save money, like in a savings account or something like that, but are less comfortable with investing and with the stock market. So any exposure that you can give your kids to that kind of thing is going to be very helpful, just helping them develop a comfort level and also probably helping increase their risk tolerance a little bit. Like if they understand the variation in the stock market at a very early age, it's going to help them a lot when they get older and they're probably putting a lot more money into the stock market. Yeah. And they could learn the pros and cons of investing in individual stocks versus a broader diversified index fund or something. Um, I remember, I think that was my one of my first exposures. Like I, when I was 12, got uh, I entered into a, a stock market simulation contest that I don't know, it lasted a few months or something, and I ended up winning. And I got like a plaque or it was like a you know paper certificate and a T-shirt, and so that was pretty cool as a 12-year-old. Um, and the one downside with the with like the contest is it's see how much you can grow your money in like a one to three to six month span, which is can teach bad habits when it comes to investing <laughs> for say retirement because um, you're basically you know day trading and trying to you know pick risky winners that could potentially backfire and blow up in your face, um, but at least it'll teach you about you know the stock market, trying you can 
reviewing different investments, pros and cons, ups and downs, etc. So, um, like you said, any exposure, you get more comfortable with it, uh, understand it to some degree, and then you could either understand this is something I don't want to do for myself, I'm going to hire a professional <laughs> when I'm an adult, or I'm really into it, I'm going to manage my own money, and I've learned some of the, the basics. So, um, you can serve people well long run. Yeah. I think more than anything, like just in summary, make sure you're talking about money with your kids and also help them know that money is not the only thing that makes the world go round and not the most important thing. Because, yeah, I, I know I, I really love the idea of time versus money and how sometimes, you know, your time is more important than money. Sometimes money is more important than your time. Like you have to be able to put a roof over your head and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, there's a trade off there. I think everything in life can be a teaching opportunity especially when it comes to things like money because there there are so many transactions that are happening every day that we don't even realize it you know we automate all of our bills we do all of these things and half the time kids have no idea that it takes money to turn the lights on in your house but it does you know like all of those things happen so you know everything that you do potentially is, has some sort of transaction behind it that's just a mystery to kids so the more that you talk about it the more that they'll understand and know that um yeah and start early you know i think getting some things going really early on is going to be really powerful for them um tell your warren buffett story Corey. i want to hear it from you <laughs> it's not even a story i just i've heard a quote from him like warren buffett if you've, I'm sure everyone's heard of him before, but he, he started investing when he was 11 years old. He bought his first stock when he was 11. And he's said, you know, later on in life that his biggest regret in life is that he didn't start investing sooner. So, you, you know, that compound interest we talked about a minute ago, you get a thousand bucks in your Roth IRA as a 15 year old. It could be a, you know, 30 plus thousand dollar sum as a 60 something year old. You know, imagine if Warren started at, at eight years old instead of 11 he'd probably be worth 200 billion instead of 100 billion or whatever he's at today so it uh compound interest if you get on the right side of it it can do wonders for you so start them early yeah we're like kid money's not everything but also help your kids make money (laughs) but it's true you know like obviously even if money's not everything it definitely helps the world go around it definitely makes things easier for sure. I mean, I don't, I think, like you said, money's not the most important thing in the world. And, you know, some kids want to become school teachers, which obviously is not a high paying job in America. Um, but, you know, do what you're passionate about and you enjoy doing. But at the same time, you know, be uh, money savvy, responsible with your money, spend less than you earn. Like, it doesn't matter how much you earn, you got to live within your means, spend less than you earn, put a little bit aside for retirement savings if you want to send your pay for your kids to go to college put a little bit in their college account live in a a house that's reasonable for your income um you know and in conjunction with with all your other obligations family size student loans etc so uh yeah the sooner we can we can instill these money concepts into our children the better off they'll probably be in the long run which is i think what all parents want for their kids is have them ultimately be um, responsible, you know, mm-hmm. successful, however you define success, adults. Absolutely. I feel like I have a homework list. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening, everyone. See you next time. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at theaffinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.